We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome, everyone, to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Sean McKenzie. So pleased to join you once again. And on today's show, we're going to touch on several topics, including overcoming divorce, grief, and wherever our conversation leads us. Our guest today has been helping women by providing a form in which people can talk about issues like divorce, grief, depression, among other topics. Kelly Calabrese is an entrepreneur and also a frequent guest on U.S. television networks. And we are honored to have you, Kelly, join us here. So welcome tonight. Well, thank you, Sean. That's quite an introduction. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're we're so glad to have you. And Kelly, one of the first things we usually talk about is a faith journey and, and the faith component uh, on people's lives. And so if you could give us a little idea of, of your faith walk in it. It's, it's probably had a few challenges along the way as well. It has. No one has the life they thought they would have. <laughs> Not one no, person. no. I, I understand that. <laughs> I grew up Italian, New York, Catholic. You know, it's amazing how our culture really forms our faith. And so I did the Catholic school and that was how I grew up. And then we moved to Dallas, the buckle of the Bible belt. God had a plan. (laughs) And so we met one of our first neighbors and they said, hey, why don't you try our church? And so we wound up going to this amazing faith-filled evangelical church and the Holy Spirit showed up. And that was about 14 years ago that my journey really started where if the church was open, I was there. I was at the women's conferences. I was at the business meetings. I was at the, you know, prayer journals, whatever they had, I was there. I did the equipping classes and the Kairos training and really, really dove in so hungry for God. I was in the neighborhood Bible studies. And so it's been a beautiful revealing of God's love. And being an entrepreneur, you're somebody who is high energy, no doubt. What do you find though, Kelly, is that number one thing that gives you a life of freedom? Yeah, that is a great question. And, you know, I want to line everything up in my life with truth. I think obedience is one of the most important things that God is looking for. And so I want to do it if God wants me to do it. So I need to stay connected to him. So the freedom comes in the confidence that you're trusting him, leaning not on your own understanding and believing that he will direct your path. 
So as an entrepreneur, the more connected that I can stay to God, the more I'm hearing, the more I'm staying in his will. Not that I'm not going to have missteps, not that things won't go sideways and there'll be a valley season, but I really do my best to be intentional personally and professionally. And that does lead to peace and freedom that surpasses all understanding and I can say that I really don't have any stressors. I stand on, be anxious for nothing as best I can. We all should. Now, you and I both share something in common, and you don't know that because we didn't really talk much about it, but you and I have gone through a word that sometimes in the Christian circle gets poo-pooed, which is a divorce. No one plans to get divorced, but divorce happens, and it rocks your world. It does. It certainly was not what I ever thought would happen in my world. I was married 25 years. My husband came home and said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left and it rocked my world. It emptied me out. It took me to my knees. Divorce didn't exist in my family. So it just was completely foreign to me. So I needed to go on this journey. And I took a three year sabbatical and I pressed in. You know, I went to the prayer groups and the retreats and I went to the Bible studies and divorce recovery and really everything that I could do to stop the pain. God hates divorce for a reason. It is painful, painful for the children. It affects every area of your life. And so on this three-year journey of my own healing, I discovered some things that really helped to move the needle in healing. And one of the first ones was identity. We sometimes are so tied to who we think we are, but we forget who we are in Christ. And divorce does that. And it also can lead to not just pain, but from my case, it led to depression and a lack of self-worth. Yes, I've been studying personal development for 34 years. My background is fitness, nutrition, wellness, lifestyle. And so I've been studying this for a long, long time. I know how to help people manage life events, but I never really understood that grief cycle. And it wasn't because Mm. I didn't have loss in my life before I lost my dad, best friends to cancer, have business issues, but the divorce was the real big one for me. And I needed to figure out, you know, how, how do I navigate this? Because my identity was in being a wife. And I was at the stage where my kids were going off to college. So my whole role as a mom was changing as they were leaving the nest and everything in my whole world just started to look different. When you look at that, some people can do what you did, which is find a way by taking the time to study it a little bit more and take your sabbatical. Not everyone gets that. And sometimes some people just get stuck in a rut. Can you talk a little bit about that when people get stuck in that trap? Yeah. So this grief cycle, as you mentioned before, I was completely unfamiliar with it, but it starts with shock, which for me, I did, you know, we had that conversation. It was shocking. It floored me. Some people, they leave. And if they've been thinking about leaving on average, they've been thinking about it for two years. So the grief cycle isn't this straight line of linear improvement. It is messy. It is this up, down, jagged, get triggered, fall back down again. And so um, it includes anger. It includes bitterness. It includes sadness, depression. You mentioned that. Depression is actually starting to get you on the upswing, believe it or not. You're pressing feelings down, but you're getting a little bit closer to readjusting and getting healthy. But what happens is people get stuck in this grief cycle and they get stopped. (laughs) So think about the people who you know who are just bitter and angry and sad and they're just, they're stuck in this divorce grief cycle. And it's a terrible place to be. When you and I are talking about this, it brings back some old memories and it, it 
reminds me of my work that I've done with people in recovery. They have unhealthy habits and unhealthy things they do. What are some of the unhealthy things that you've seen people who are trying to get themselves out of this grief cycle and out of these ruts, try to cope with the difficulties in their lives? Yes. So we're all going to do something. We are designed to be addicted to God. Anything that we put in its place will never fill that need, but people will try. So drinking, getting right into another relationship without healing the last one, escapism, isolation. (laughs) I mean, there are so many different things that people can do to stop the pain, but really the number one universal need that we all have is to be unconditionally loved. And the only person who can give us that is God. There is not one human, not one spouse, not even a community of people who can completely fill the need that we have to feel unconditionally loved. So you talked about identity earlier, so I don't want to people people think that Kelly only talks about divorce. You are a very wide-ranging individual with lots of interests and lots of lots of things you've been doing. One is becoming an author. Talk a little bit about that uh, that journey of becoming an author. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. So my first book is called Mom and Dad Penures. And it was way before COVID, it's about five years ago, where I wanted to be that stay-at-home mom. I owned health clubs at the time that my son was born, and I knew that wasn't the kind of mom that I wanted to be, but I still wanted to contribute to my industry on a really high level. So I came home, my daughter was born right after my son, they're 14 months apart, and I just started to figure it out. So I could put God first, then my family, and then tend to the things that God gave me to do with my talents. And sometimes it's seasonal. So when you have infants, you're not on the front lines of the corporate world, hopefully. So I just decided I want to sacrifice my family. So I told stories in this book of people who, some were single families, adopted families, blended families, traditional families, where they figured out a way to find the purpose that God had for them and still be able to fill that without sacrificing the family. And then um, the second book is called Passionistas. And that's basically, what would you tell your younger self? So this is women who are more mature at my age, talking to the millennial women who have so many amazing things and so many just talents going for them. But it's just the wisdom, you know, knowing what you now know, what would you say to that younger self? And then the most recent one is called Success Habits of Super Achievers. And that book tells a story of about 80 different ordinary people who had something extraordinarily difficult happen to them, but they were resilient. They got back up again. They figured out a way to overcome, but do something legendary with it that was meaningful and actually did something to leave a legacy. So I suggest people read one story a day to really be encouraged because you will get knocked down in life. It's just part of it. So get knocked down 10 times, get up 11. And this book really gives you the encouragement. For us in recovery, we usually talk about the fact that you're not a loser if you fall down. It's when we stay down. Sometimes people will will stay down because they've lost who they are. And I, I like what you said about just even reading one story a day can encourage people because it may not be divorce. It may not be depression. It could be just everyday life. Sometimes we do need something that will lift us up and keep us going because God tells us, I don't want you to stay where you are. I want you to thrive. I want you to move forward. 
Yeah, that is so true. For me, I felt like a failure. I was keeping myself down. I was burning my own feet. I was just, I just was punishing myself because this wasn't supposed to happen to me. I did everything right. I did everything in the right order. I went to school. I got married. I had kids, started a business. And I was just feeling like a failure. So I literally was keeping myself down. And that's really the enemy, you know, telling us you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You weren't a good enough wife. And that's where we have to really pull out the sword and you know put on the the whole suit of armor and do our part and let God do his part and get back up again and see ourselves the way God sees us. After your sabbatical, it seems like God was just able to show you a lot during that season. What are some of the key things he showed you in that downtime, the time that maybe you flogged yourself a little too much, but what were some of the things he taught you in that sabbatical that helped propel you forward? Yeah, great question. One of the biggest ones was forgiveness. And I know that's not something a lot of people like to talk about. They hear forgiveness. And I just feel like sometimes forgiveness was not modeled very well in our homes growing up. And you know, we might have heard the tell your brother you're sorry, but you know, it wasn't really modeling forgiveness. So I decided one weekend, it was 4th of July, couple of years ago that I was just going to sit and not get off the couch until I forgave myself, my ex-husband. And I didn't know I needed to forgive God, but I felt like I did too. But the biggest one was myself, that I was not a failure. And it comes down to why did Jesus even come? You know, if I'm going to punish myself and not forgive myself when he died for the forgiveness of all why am I going to continue to not forgive myself? I mean, I'm forgiven. God sees me that way. Why am I going to punish myself? And that helped to release the cancer of all the bitterness, you know, the isolation. I'm just the, the lies. The unforgiveness is a cancer. You're burying things. You're minimizing things. You're rationalizing things. You're blaming. So definitely forgiveness was one of the, the biggest shifts. And what I decided to do was because my peace is too expensive is to live a life of free forgiveness. So mm. I decide ahead of time that I'm not going to judge people. I'm not going to criticize anyone else or myself. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to let what's happening in the government or anything else determine my joy. And then I'm just going to look for you know, a win-win in every situation. So going in with that mindset was definitely something that was a shift. Definitely renewing your mind, which we're told to do all the time. I had to stop playing that track of I'm the victim and poor me. And so Renewing our mind is something that we're called to do every single day. Remembering that God loves me, so I should stop rejecting myself and taking care of myself because the rejection is really so dysfunctional. Um, so that was another key. Knowing that I can't thwart God's plans. So he knew this was coming. And you know, people can still live an abundant life. His promises are still the same. You know, Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. His plans are to prosper us and not harm us. So really, you know, standing on the word and pulling out some scriptures that became my life scriptures. Kelly Calabrese is our guest here on Refuge Freedom Stories. And I, I did some poking around on your Facebook page, the one uh, dealing with divorce. And I love this line. This group has nothing to do with bashing and blaming or being a victim. I think that's so powerful, especially in the, in the last couple of years. Victim mentality, blaming others has become routine sport in this, in this society in which we live. It has. So victim is the absolute lowest level of energy. So everything that God created has vibration, has energy to it. The victim is the lowest. Basically, you feel like there's nothing I can do. The world is happening to me. I have no power, no influence. And, you know, I'm just stuck 
here in this existence. The highest is Jesus. I mean, that's the yes. highest. I mean, that's love. That's the peace, joy, patience, God. All of that's the highest vibration. The tipping point between victim and the highest is courage. That means you have to have the courage, the boldness to get up to stand on the promises of God and like like God do his part like I said before you we have a part to do and God has a part to do so we have to get back up and sometimes God does want us to be still I had a long season of being still I was terrible at it it was frustrating but eventually I had breakthrough in the stillness and so yeah the, the victim mentality even if God has you being still you're you're not to be a victim ever it's sometimes, uh, I, I loved, you, you quoted it earlier, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Sometimes when we get caught in that shame guilt cycle, we don't think we can be used by God anymore. And that's just a lie from the deceiver. Absolutely. I mean, if you go back to the very beginning with, you know, with Adam, you know, they covered themselves, they were in shame. And then Cain and Abel, they're going to kill me. And God's going, no, no, I've got you covered. You're going to be protected. Like right from the very beginning of Genesis, God is saying no shame, no shame. But yet the person who leaves and breaks up the family, they feel tremendous shame. The person who's left feels tremendous rejection. So you've got shame and rejection, two things that come from the enemy. God totally hates both of those things, but people just carry that with them. And again, you've got to turn to God to get freedom from that shame and rejection because God hates it. That does not come from God at all. As a gentleman who has six sisters and very strong, proud women, and I'm very proud that they are my sisters. I've got to watch them from, you know, very close up and see how they've walked out their lives and how they've and how they've leaned into the power of God. And I know I have some friends right now that are walking through a, a season of struggle because divorce is around the corner. How can we speak to those who, again, I'm borrowing a line from a guy I love very much, Terry Newhoff, his book was didn't see it coming. He was talking about burnout, but sometimes we don't see divorce. We don't see depression. We don't see that season of loss coming. Can we speak a little bit to that? Again, we talked a little about that at the beginning, but I think it's really important for us to, to realize sometimes we spend too much time there thinking about what went wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it doesn't really serve us to spend a lot of time in the past. There's nothing that we can do to change it. Of course, there's lessons that can be learned. I learned a lot about myself. I learned I was a perfectionist. I was a little bit of a control freak. I was an enabler. I needed to hold up the mirror and really learn those things because I don't want to bring them into the next season. I don't ever want to repeat any of those things anymore. My first intention would be if a marriage can be saved, and I have done that in my coaching, if there's anything that can do, it's working on the person. So if the woman comes to me and she's like, I can't even be in the same room with him, I can't, and I can get her to work on her, marriages have been restored just with one person shifting. So that's always the most ideal. But if the marriage is inevitable, it's just not healthy, it's abusive, whatever it might be. You need to start looking at what's good about this. And initially that sounds horrible because, you know, divorce is terrible and it's painful, excruciatingly painful. But at some point you have to readjust and say, okay, I'm alone now. This is my reality. What's good about this? Well, the house stays cleaner. I don't have to compromise. I can decide everything, what I eat, when I eat, where I eat, what music I listen to. I get a fresh start. I might have a whole new friend group because maybe... 
the old friends were all couples and I need to find some single friends. I may be forced outside my comfort zone. That's not a terrible thing. I may get really good quality parenting time and then free time when the kids are not with me. I get to decide my environment and keep it peace-filled because maybe there was a lot of fighting and animosity before and now it's, it's peaceful. You get to become your whole self just with you now, not with another person, but it, it's between you and God. And that's how you become whole. And then if you do have another relationship, and you know, I, I hope most people do, if that desire is on their heart, I don't believe people are meant to be alone and, and isolated, that you take a whole person to the next relationship and really you know, use this single time to serve, to pursue your passions. It, it could be just such a great, great time. So in my introduction, I I, sh I shared quite a few of the things that you're doing, but what are some of the new things that are on the horizon for Kelly? What what are some of the projects you've been working on that God has been burning in your heart and you're finally getting to work on? Yeah, in this season, I really am fully committed to helping women just become empowered through this season of divorce to get rid of the shame, the rejection, the Fear. fear just comes in roaring like a lion during the season and to heal from the past, to forgive, renew their minds, start to work on their purpose again, walk in, you know, physical health, get their physical health as best it can be, abundance, because so many times a poverty mindset comes in, and then also joy, resurrection, celebration, like this isn't just all going to be crying yourself to sleep every night, you can really create this amazing bonus life that you didn't even know was possible before. So I have a, a free faith. Facebook page where I'm sending uh, women to. It's called Intentionally Fabulous. It's private. I pour into there every day. We talk about the hard things. We laugh. We ask really good questions that maybe people haven't thought about, how they might deal with them. We support each other. I give them resources in there. And so that is my commitment in this season to really be focused on helping women of divorce because, you know, I, I hate what God hates. The number one group for poverty in the country is single mom. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way because God is our provider. But while your world is blowing up and you're in so much pain, fear comes in and these women just don't realize that they can still have peace and joy and abundance. I love what you're sharing there because it reminds me of Ephesians 4.29. Uh, I do a little paraphrase of it. Let's build each other up, not tear each other down. And, and the last thing people need in this season, because we've lived through a hard couple of years, there's been a lot of tearing down. We need a lot of building up. I agree. It is a couple of years. I remember when I first got divorced, um, I met a friend for tea and he had been divorced about seven years. And I said, you know, about how long until you felt normal again? He said, normal? Probably like four years. And I, I almost spit my tea out. I was like, four years? I mean, that just sounded so long. I mean, it was just so painful. And when I got my certification from the American Association of Christian Counselors as a certified divorce coach, it says four to five years. I mean, it, it definitely takes some time. It's an adjustment. It's, it's this tearing of the soul, of a soul tie. And so it, it takes time to heal. But it's more than just time. Time is part of it, but you need to do the work also. In our final minute or so, that's that. I guess that's the key I'd like to kind of close in on is it just doesn't go away. We have to trust in our Lord and Savior, but he also requires us to do a little bit of work. 
Yes. Get in the word, surround yourself by wise friends, get in a Bible study. You know, you you need to be intentional about your time. Self-care is so important. This is not the time to, you know, just let yourself go. And then you start adding physical ailments on top of all the emotional things. It's, you know, just a, a great time to really regroup as best you can and just keep walking with God one step at a time, trusting him and letting love Win. I'm going to give you another chance to plug that Facebook group because that was the group where I got a couple of your quotes from. And so for those who are listening, what, what is that private Facebook group that you're offering to help women? Yes, it's called Intentionally Fabulous. And if they go to kellycalabrese.com, K-E-L-L-I-C-A-L-A-B-R-E-S-E.com, there's a free copy of my latest best-selling book, Success Habits of Super Achievers. So they can get a free copy of the book there. And they can also see about the program that I call it Single Redefined. So it's just redefining your life as a single person. That's beautiful. Kelly, thank you for being generous with your time here today. And and I pray that the words you shared here today will not come back void because we know God uses our words and uh, hopefully it's encouraged at least one soul out there. And I know it's going to bless others. Kelly, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, Sean. My pleasure. Blessings to you. Remember the
hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.